Hi, I'm Rob Jepson, and my mission is to help sales leaders everywhere create record-setting growth in the companies they lead. I'm here to share the secrets of the world's most successful sales leaders. I don't care how big the company or how big the team, we showcase sales leaders that are beating their markets, winning at crazy rates, and doing it predictably and sustainably. The Sales Leadership Podcast is brought to you by Exvoyant, the one-on-one platform that's transforming how market-leading sales organizations use Salesforce around the world. Move past the call reports, pipeline reports, and forecasts, and stop using Salesforce just as a system of record. Let the Exvoyant team show you how to use Salesforce as a system of impact, improvement, and performance by creating one-on-ones that ignite and inspire. If you don't have a plan on how you can help every single rep on your team improve by at least 10%, Exvoyant can help you grow faster than you ever thought possible. Now, get ready for some serious insights from sales leaders that are making it happen. And remember, don't worry, we got you. Hello, and welcome to the Sales Leadership Podcast, where high-growth sales leaders discuss high-growth tactics and practices. Today, we're joined by my friend, Brad Jensen. Brad's VP of Sales for Motivosity. Motivosity is disrupting how companies connect with their team members, and under Brad's leadership, they've grown over 300% and are right now in a state of hypergrowth. Brad, welcome to the show, and thanks so much for joining us. Hey, my pleasure, Rob. Awesome to be here. Looking forward to this. Yeah, Brad, you, uh, you, you're into the middle of something really exciting and really cool. Motivosity is a fast growing company that's really disrupting things for companies of all shapes and sizes. Can you share with our listeners just the, the high level overview of who, Motiv- who Motivosity is and what you're doing? Yeah, absolutely. It, it is fun. It is exciting. Uh, we're, we're disrupting, uh, an industry, you know, employee recognition. Recognition, employee engagement isn't a new concept. It's kind of been around for a few years. So to come in and try to make a splash in, in an existing space, uh, you, you've got to tell a different story. You've, you've got to disrupt uh, thinking a little bit. And that's, that's really what we're doing is that we're, we're changing the, the way that companies fundamentally think about employee engagement and, and employee recognition. Uh, basically, we're a social platform where employees can give each other small monetary bonuses for doing great things, doing great work. And and our software enables enterprises to have a more energetic and collaborative workplace where people are anxious to help each other. We have 95% user adoption in our customer base and uh, over the last four years, 99% customer retention. So we know what we're doing works. Uh, It it matters. Our customers love it. And they're they're pretty uh, evangelical about it. It's it's interesting as we go from customer to customer to just kind of see almost how cultish uh, their cultures have become. Uh, because of the, the Motivasi vehicle. So it's an exciting time. It's an exciting space and uh, excited to be part of it. Yeah, I was on site with one of our customers yesterday and, and it just turns out that they happened to use your product and I, I saw them referring to it, using it. Uh, and certainly what you just shared is, is absolutely what I watched them do. Talk to me for a second. You, awesome. You've been there, you, you've been there running sales and, and you've taken a killer idea and we all know that ideas are interesting, but execution is what matters. What kind of growth have you been able to drive out there? Well, we've, we've seen triple digit growth, growth consistently the last two years. And when you go from a few hundred thousand in ARR to a couple million in ARR and now you're, you're expecting hockey stick growth over the next three years, you know, we, we've consistently seen 300% growth and we're looking at quadruple uh, digit growth over over the next three years. So our expectations be at 15 million in ARR uh, by the end of 2020, and you know it's it's been pretty impressive considering where we were just a year ago. 
Yeah, no, there's there's no doubt. And the reason that I wanted you on the show is we have a lot of people that are running sales for emerging companies. And many mm-hmm. times when you're running sales for a large company, you have the you have the benefit of the brand, you have the benefit of case studies, you have the benefit of all these things. But so many of our listeners, uh, they don't have that benefit, and you don't have that benefit. How have you created predictable growth when you don't have a brand name to rely on? Oh, awesome question. Um, I, I think the, the first thing you have to do is, is leverage your wins, right? You, you got to leverage your love group and try to duplicate your, your advocates and your, your uh, those resources that can help tell your story for you. So I think what we, we have done is, is because uh, the, the user experience is so incredible for our customers, they tell a good story. So first and foremost, you know, you, you hear, hey, go go pick up some low-hanging fruit. It's like, man, there's fruit laying on the ground if we can just leverage our relationship with, with our wins. So we, we try to uh, do a great job of engaging with our customers and having them introduce us to uh, vendors, customers, partners of theirs that uh, they feel, well, would would like to share the same experience. And, and that's led to some early successes for us. It's amazing. You know, everybody knows somebody. And so – we, we can we can go down the traditional path of, of prospecting, which we are, um, but definitely leveraging our, our wins is something I don't think you can overemphasize. Um, done a lot of work on helping companies leverage the, the, the power of referrals. Work, you know, the the, the, the influence we we'll have through their circles of influence is incredible. And I think we've done a good job of, of tapping into that. Um, we'll continue to do so. I think from there, Rob, it really falls into how disciplined can you be to focusing on your target market? Who, who, who are you outbounding to? Who are you targeting and identifying the right fit and not chasing everything? It's, it's really easy, especially as you're launching, to just try to go where people express interest. And that, that takes you down a lot of rabbit holes that may or may not be the right fit. Not everyone might, is, is the right customer. And, and you need clients as, as you're launching that are going to be the right fit so that they can tell the right story. Yeah. So I feel we've been very dis- disciplined in our, in our targeted approach in, in how we're outbounding our, our target clients, our target markets. Okay. So you just hit on two things that I want to go down, down on the first one. Is, and you, you referenced this in the way you introduced your company that, that your customers are very evangelical is the word you used. And I love the, the, the visual that, that creates. I think everybody would love to say, that they grow on their customers. I think that that's like, if you were to say sales class, how, how do you grow? Oh, you grow on your customers. It's one thing to say it. It's another one to do it. As you've looked back over this growth that you've created and you've created a group of customers that you now are very comfortable saying generally are really evangelical. Is there some non-negotiables? Is there a blueprint for creating an evangelical customer base? Yeah, I, I think that <laughs> it's, Keep it simple, right? I, I, I don't think that you, you can. I don't think that it's 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 rocket science. First and foremost, is just do what you say you're going to do, right? Mm-hmm. Make sure that you're, you're you're following through on what you what you promised. How many times do uh, sales professionals lose the relationship once the deal's done? Right? They move on to to the bigger, better thing. And and yeah, there's there's a transition to the CX team, and 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 that's. And how are we measuring a, a few things? I think there's, there's, um, 
key measurements post post sale post implementation on how are we measuring the the results how are we measuring the impact how are we measuring the, the client experience and if we tell them what we're going to tell them and then we tell them and then we told them tell them what we told them right that's that's IBM's old old philosophy that we're just fulfilling on promises over and over and over again and that builds trust and credibility that people are willing to tell your story yeah, I, I love that. I love to do what you say. I, I love the idea that you're you're saying what you're going to do. You're following through. You're creating milestones, and I think that that's a really good starting point. But somehow you've been able to get them to be more than just satisfied with what you've done and say, "Hey, thanks for doing what you said." You have these people willing to go on record. You have these people willing to say, "Hey, this is a must-have." And when they go from place to place or they go to conferences. You're like one of the first things they pull out of the bag and say, you got to do this. So as much as I love what you're saying, I don't want to let you take the humble approach. You're doing more than just what you say because you're somehow getting these guys willing to talk. To talk. And, uh, and there must be something else. Well, just, you know what I'm saying? Well, and I think part of it is just what's in it for them. I, I think a lot of people get focused on the feature functionality of a solution in, instead of what the outcome is. And so we help people – our clients really focus on what outcomes they're driving towards and how our solution is just a vehicle that gets there. And in this case, it's, it's affecting the end user. It's spending, it's affecting people that are on the front line. And so they're, they're experiencing, um, an outcome daily. You know, companies invest a tremendous amount of money in tools and technology to help employees do their job. Yeah. And we're helping them invest in a tool and technology that helps them love their job. And so there is a definitely a, a different emotional connection with, with the platform. But at the end of the day, it's, it's helping an organization get closer to their cultural goals and objectives. And therefore, they, you know, it helps them accelerate some of their business goals and objectives. So why I love where, what we're talking about, Brad, I believe we started this whole conversation is how do you win and create predictability when you don't have the strength of the brand? And this goes down to that whole how does sometimes – how does David beat Goliath or, or how do you even get people's attention? I actually think you have a better opportunity to create an evangelical experience when you offer them something that they haven't seen before. And maybe there was a little feeling of I'm sticking my neck out for this. And when you deliver, when there's that feeling of this is new, we're an early mover and it worked. Have you found, cause you've sold a lot of things. You've, you've, you've done this. You've worked with some other young companies. You've also been involved with some really big companies. Have you seen that that, whole nature of, hey, we're taking a, we're going to go do something that is not out of the box. We're going to do it differently. I, I fully like, as I listen to you and as I've seen other things, that actually is a recipe that gives you an advantage over the big company because if everybody's doing it, you know, back in the 80s, nobody got fired for hiring IBM. Uh, someone might get in trouble for, for hiring a company that maybe no one's heard of. But when you deliver, do you find that they then want to, like, scream from the rafters of just how great it was? Well, yeah, absolutely. And you, you definitely hit on something because this is applicable to everybody. Everybody's selling something, but what, what is it about that story that makes a customer's story better? And if you can make, if you can disrupt the way that people think about your solution, uh, you, you're going to definitely change the story that they're telling. And, and in our case, you know, we're recruiting early adopters. We're, we're recruiting disruptors to be part of our experience because we've been conditioned. We've, we've been 
trained over over the years to think about culture and employee engagement from from one aspect and that's usually top down that managers control that experience and so in our case we're changing that, that hey this is frontline driven if, if you can put the culture into the hands of the end users and then get out of the way they're going to do things that you could never do as management well that's a really disruptive thought and that's really disruptive to an hr industry who's very control centric and and um process driven and uh, risk averse they don't like Risk averse, they don't like to give up that control. So getting, getting, finding those early adopters, finding those disruptors, yeah, when it does work, they become the hero and they're incredibly proud of what they've been part of. So I, I definitely think that that is an element for sure. Yeah, I, I see that as an area of advantage that you have as you're an up-and-comer that you don't have when you're just an established player. When you're an established player, they just expect you to work. When you're an up-and-comer, they can't wait for you to work. And I think that that's something that our well, listeners should play off of. Yeah, definitely. Well, and in, in, in I think everyone can put themselves in the in the shoes of David versus the Goliath. We compete with the Goliaths out there. there there's some monster companies in, in the space and who have been there, done that. And like you said, they're, they're a safe bet. It's like, well, do you want to go down that path? And you know, my philosophy is if you keep doing some of the same things and expecting different results, well, we all know what that's the definition of. Yes, sir. And let's, let's partner with that's innovative and creative and entrepreneurial, and it's disrupting uh, that, that thought process. And I think everyone can build that message into their product or service. So the second thing you mentioned as you answered the first question after this, uh, grow on your wins, leverage your wins, which I love and, and create. I, I think it, you, we go one step farther. Forget about leverage your wins. I love the idea of create an evangelical customer base. That's, that's for sure a takeaway. How do you do that? The second one is another thing that people talk about and, and you talked about, uh, being really targeted. Uh, a lot of us refer to it as the ICP, the, the ideal customer profile. When you're a young company, and you're trying to figure out, I, I, I can tell you, a lot of our customers, a lot of my contacts, a lot of people listening, they say, man, I just got to win. I'll take whatever deals I can get. How do you develop an ICP that really is, is right and accurate when you're a young company just getting out of the gate? How do you do that? Yeah, I, I think that there's shotgun and rifle, right? It's like, okay, we just want something to stick. We just need a win. And and that's the hard part. It's like we need cash flow. We need revenue. We 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 need... Uh, any win to create momentum. And that, that's going to happen. You know, I think we've been completely surprised by some of the, the clients that have, that, that we've, um, partnered with, uh, that, that weren't part of that ICP. Um, and those will come to us. So I guess I would, I would position it this way, Rob, is there's inbound and there's outbound. Let those that are outside of your target come to you inbound, but be very deliberate on who you're targeting from an outbound. Mm. That, does that make sense? It totally makes sense, but it's easier said than done. And, um, and it's also even harder again when you're one of those young companies that's hitting it. We're in a world where there's tons of SDRs, tons of AEs, response rates are going down. It, the job is harder than it was two years ago. Forget about five years ago. I used to say it's not your daddy's sales world anymore. Now I say it's not your big brother's yeah. sales world. It's not your big brother's, okay? Not your big sister's sales world. It yeah. changes that fast. And I think that there's got to be a, you know, a, an interesting blueprint that you've done because, yeah, your results have been amazing. How do you keep those those reps that are so hungry, how do you keep their eye on the right ball and not come to you and say, hey, Brad, can we try and find a way to do this? Yeah, so there's, they, they, they do, and, and, I, and I think <laughs> that it, 
for for sure, right? They they're hungry, um, and it's it's easy for from a manager's perspective. It's like, well, you know, make more calls, make more calls, make more calls. Like you said, some that that process isn't the same as it once was, and so it's like, don't count your calls, make your calls count. And so, what are we doing to leverage every medium available to penetrate who we believe our, our ideal target is? So there's a lot of coordination with from from a marketing perspective on, you know. Who do our customers look and smell like? So let's go target other companies like them in different markets that look and smell like our best case wins and tar- target aggressively uh, th- those influencers, those decision makers, and, well, th- those influencers for sure, and see if we can't generate interest because of a, a similar fit. It's a similar similar field. And I think there, there, there is a deliberate focus you can take with that. There are deliberate um, actions, there are lists, there, there are um, groups, affiliations, where all these people kind of look alike in different markets. So take your, take your ideal customers, who do, you want, uh, who do you want to replicate within your, within your win group, your, your love group, and go look for other markets who, who share some of the same attributes or characteristics as, as those customers. How important is the one-on-one for helping make sure that your reps are really re- just relentlessly focused on that that profile? Oh, like I don't think there's a more important discussion or meeting that a sales leader can have than the one-on-one. I, it, it is, to me, everything. The, the one-on-one is the biggest missed opportunity in the history of sales leadership. I, I just <laughs> say that again. I want to make sure that's a great drop. I want to make sure that comes out loud and clear. I want to say that one more time. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't know if I can duplicate it. The one-on-one is the is the biggest missed opportunity for sales leadership. Period in the history of of all sales leadership. <laughs> sales leaders suck at it. They don't, they don't do it right. They they miss the mark. Uh, they they use it to go through pipeline. Tell me your pipe. Tell me your pipe. Tell me your pipe. That's the one-on-one, and that's that just flat out sucks. So it's it's everything. You say, what's the role of it, Rob? It's everything. So you know, that's I'm glad to hear that. You know, and you have a background as a sales coach, and I, I'm confident. Again, you like to be humble. I'm confident that's a real part of why you've been able to create success so quickly and have a team start to scale so fast is because you've brought coaching discipline. With, you know, and having a, a, a really tailored, meaningful one-on-one, which is more than just a pipeline review. You know, I, you, I think you know one of my mentors, is a guy named Rick Page, who wrote a book called Hope is Not a Strategy. And he's no longer with us, but the lessons he's taught me have lived on. And, and Rick, Rick said the biggest, the biggest mistake managers make was what he called flogging the forecast. You keep beating the pipeline and hope you can beat a deal out of it. Why is that the wrong way for you to lead your team, whether you're big or small? Uh, okay, so just quick funny backstory. Like, so I sold in the IBM channel for for years, and literally our forecasts were, hey, what's in your pipe? They take our revenue, cut it in half, roll it up to their manager. They take that forecast, cut it in half, roll it to his manager, and that's how we did our forecasting. Like, how crazy is that? That that's like Nuts. early nineties, uh, mid nineties when that happened, but. And it's interesting how we still get sucked into the, you know, projections and forecasting uh, vortex and just don't, don't engage in smoke and the hopium. 
like I, I love I love that book, and it's like maybe that's where I got the saying. It's like teaching a rep not to inhale, not to smoke the hopium, is is critical, and I, I think that making it real versus making it real is the real challenge and opportunity for a sales leader. Like, is it is a deal real, lowercase real, or is it is it uppercase real? And I think that that's helping them identify an alignment between your sales cycle and your buy cycle. And if they know what winning looks like, they know what key sales, key activities within their sales stage are and what key exit criteria is from stage to stage, well, focus your efforts on, on the process and what that exit criteria is so that you know what's in the, in the pipe, what's in the forecast is real to begin with. And, and I think we, we've got to, we got to stop focusing on the forecast and start focusing on how real are the deals within the forecast. Yeah, this is really a good – I'm looking at our time right now because you just took this someplace I wasn't expecting this to go, and we're starting to run low. I think <laughs> I want to stay here. I want to spend a little more time here. Talk to me about capital R versus small R. You know, how, how do you ferret through that? Because, you know, sometimes you have a small team and you can just do it because you can be close to everything. Uh, if you have a big team, small team, medium team, how do you scale ferreting out capital R and lowercase r on the reality of a deal? Well, it's it's um, it's hard, quite frankly, because everybody likes to have happy ears. You know, we hear things from our customers and we want to believe them. And sales reps tell things to their leaders and we want to believe them. And leaders roll that up the chain and we want to believe them. So everybody has a level of, of happiers in the process. And I think the more you can define what winning looks like at each stage, the more real it, it makes a deal. So, so for us, let me just talk about what we're doing. You know, we've defined very specific exit criteria as it moves from stage to stage in the sales process. And every rep knows what, what winning looks like within that. So if they say that it's at one stage, they should be able to provide evidence that they that they've aligned the sales cycle with the buy cycle, that they're getting confirmation from from their buyers that they're they're taking ownership of the opportunity. It's not our solution, it's their solution. And so building exit criteria checklists, if you will, that allows you to have a good conversation with, with the rep about what they're doing versus what the client is doing or the prospect is doing will, will help you have a better discussion to make sure that it's real. The, the second thing that, that we talk a lot about is challenging your champion at each of those stages. Um, mm. it's, it's really easy for your champion to get excited about an opportunity as well. But as they're working you know, to navigate their internal processes, uh, are they prepared for all of the curveballs that they're going to be hit up with from, from peers or leadership? You know, are, are they prepared to answer the hard questions? Are, are they prepared to uh, def defend the, the solution? And I think we move too fast with, with our opportunities and don't try to blow them up to hope that they stay, right? And, 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 I, and I say that kind of tongue-in-cheek. I'm not trying to blow it up just to blow it up, but I'm trying to challenge it. I'm trying to blow it up so that your champion truly is prepared to fight the fight when you're not there. How many conversations take place inside of an organization without the sales rep? Way more, way more than when you and I are there trying to guide the conversation. So we try to, we try to blow up the deal, and if, and if it can survive and the, and the champion can, can defend it, well, we know it's real. 
So we spend a tremendous amount of our of time, Rob, in in discussing what's real versus what's real. I love this, Brad, because uh, again, I mean, you don't use our technology or aware of our technology. I mean, but you also know that we've tried to automate that. And I love that because very few uh, sales orgs that I've seen have institutionalized what you refer to as exit criteria. We refer to as, as the buyer verifiers uh, that, that gives evidence mm-hmm. that you've accomplished the goal that that stage has before you can move on. And for you to be relentless on that, one of the things that it occurs to me is I think that we've created this culture of that whole term, inspect what you expect. It's true, but it's created this culture of reps feeling inspected. And I don't think they want to feel inspected. I think they want to feel inspired. Now, here's my question. I'm I'm sorry to, to make it a long question. Does, in your experience, has focused on exit criteria and buyer verifiers, call it whatever you want, but we're talking about the same thing. Do you find that that leads to people feeling inspected or do you think it leads to them feeling inspired on what I can do to make a difference? Definitely the, the latter. Um, because to, to that, I mean, the, in a sense, there, there is a level of inspection, right? In, inspect what you expect. But you're, but you're inspecting the right things. And, I, and you're I not doing when, it to babysit. That's the difference. Intent is more important than technique, right? If you're doing it to babysit correct. versus doing it to say, ah, I know what we got to do to advance the stage and do it more predictably or faster or more, whatever. I feel like that's the difference maker. Well, everybody wants to win, right? A rep doesn't wake up one day and say, I want to suck today. I want to just completely suck at sales, right? No one thinks that way. But we get we get sucked into this this thinking of a deal is further along than it is, and and they get caught up in it, and that's that's really frustrating. That I mean, sales is tough. It's it's a tough industry, and it's easy to to fall victim of of self deception. And by focusing on what's real and inspecting what's real, they gain a new appreciation for what's in their control to actually advance a deal forward. And I think that's what they feel inspired by. They, they actually feel like there's something that they can control or action that they can take uh, that, that matters and that makes a difference. And that's, that's, you know, that's everything in sales. You know what? I think that's a great way to wrap up this conversation because, unfortunately, it happens with every single guest because all of our guests are just as passionate. <laughs> I mean, no, they, there may be bigger companies than, than the one you're running right now, Brad, but they are not led by people with greater passion than what you've just shared with us. And, and the passion is contagious, and I appreciate you sharing that with our listeners today. So thank you so much. Um, hey, my pleasure, my man. Thanks. I want to wrap it up the way I wrap up every every episode. Um, as you look over and you look back on on some of the successes you've had now or maybe even earlier in your career, what would you say one of your – one of your great sales leadership success stories might be. I love sharing a, a, a great sales leadership success story. Oh man, um, you know, I think I think early in my career, I had some amazing leaders that that inspired me um, that I that I wanted to grow up and and be like. And if and if I could just a moment and give give a shout out to to those individuals. You know, Jim Wiles, uh, Michael Madigan, these guys are rock stars in in their in their space. You know, both uh, old IBMers, and the way that they managed, the way that they inspired 
was was truly inspiring to me. And, and the thing that they did most, Rob, is they built personal connections with me. They 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 made frequent emotional deposits into the into the Brad Jensen bank account. And I would go through walls for those guys. And and I think that you know that's that's lasted with with me for uh, nearly 20 years now. And that's I think at at the crux of sales leadership is are we inspiring? Are we being relevant? Are are we adding value to our our team individuals? And so I don't you know I don't have anything you know really really tangible or or crazy. But oh my gosh, the the lasting impression that I have of, of the way that they uh, have impacted me as a person is what I try to replicate. I don't think that you could give a better success story than that. And so we'll go to the one that we finish with everyone. It's like become a, a listener favorite now. One of the commonalities with high growth leaders is we have this insatiable desire to improve and get better. And a great way to do that is through reading. Uh, what mm-hmm. would you suggest goes into the high growth sales leader library? Something that you think is a non-negotiable that's really helped you as a leader. Mm. Um. Okay, don't laugh, but right. the the oldie but goodie, One Minute Manager by Ken Blanchard is a must. Love if, it. If you haven't read it, you have to. It's it's a quick one. It's an easy one. Um, personally, you got to read Leadership and Self Deception by the Arbinger Institute, and it's and it's about getting real with people. And if 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 you can't do that, you can't lead. You can't inspire. So so to me, that that one is a major game changer. Qu- quite frankly life-changing. So leadership and self-deception is, is one that I, I, I would recommend from a personal improvement standpoint. That leads to everything else professionally. Two great recommendations. We will absolutely get those in the library. And Brad, I just want to thank you. You've given us some great insights. And I would finish this episode with this. All of those tactics that help you win as a young emerging company work equally as well, if not more so, if you choose to find ways to leverage them as a big established player. So everything you've shared has been pure gold. So with that, I want to thank Brad Brad Jensen. I'm Rob Jensen. This is Brad Jensen, (laughs) VP of sales for Motivocity, a high-flying company that you need to be aware of. Brad, how do everybody get more of you, learn more about Motivocity, and continue their relationship and connection to you? Awesome. No, thank you. Hey, couple, couple sources. First, go check us out. Go check out what these, these, uh, evangelical crazies out there, these, these movers that we call them. Go check out what they're saying about us out on Google and Captera. Go, go listen to their stories. And then definitely, uh, follow us at, uh, motivocity.com. Go check out our, our, our site. Reach out. Get in touch with us. Um, anxious to chat. See how we can help you guys accelerate your, your cultural goals and objectives as well. His passion is contagious. There's no doubt why his team is going crazy out there. Brad, thank you so much for taking a few minutes and sharing some of your secrets to success with our listeners. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks, Rob. Hey, everyone, and welcome to another So What portion of the Sales Leadership Podcast where we break down that interview and we ask ourselves, why did that conversation even matter? Brad Jensen was a really cool guest to have because sometimes we bring big companies on and sometimes we bring smaller companies on. And whether it's a company you're aware of or whether it's one that's emerging, the commonality is they're all in high growth mode. And that is absolutely the case with Motivocity. I've seen them on several of our client locations when I go visit. And I can tell you I've seen that the customers that use them are seeing real impact. And as I listen to Brad talk about what's helping them 
really get into this mode of high growth. Getting into high growth is hard. It takes a ton of energy, right? I mean, it's that rule of three. It takes three times more effort, three times more energy, and three times longer than you ever thought it would take. And you've got to be able to get that out of every member of your team and keep getting it. That's why I love focusing and featuring on some of these people that are really emerging out of nowhere. Because Brad shared two things that stood out with me. Number one, he talked about the creation of evangelists from your customers. Now, I've heard a lot of people talk about that, but it's easy to say, it's hard to do. And the reason I gravitate to it is Brad gave us two lenses that I thought were relevant. Lens number one, he's talked about do what you say. We're, that it, it sucks, but we're in a world right now where if you just do what you say, you'll stand out because too many people just say what they need to say to get a deal, and people have been burned. And as a result, they try to protect themselves contractually and through paperwork rather than uh, have relationships built on mutual respect and trust. I can tell you myself, some of my very best customer relationships today are people that have followed me with three or four different uh, businesses that I've done because they've learned that I'll do what I say. Um, and that's become a really important culture that I think makes you have, number two, do something different. Sometimes just the fact that you'll do what you say does make you different. Uh, but I like the idea that Brad said that we should look through the lens of how can we be different. You know, too many of us make the, make, try to make our, our, uh, our point of we're be what's better or what's worse. The customer will always decide what's better or worse. As salespeople, it's most important for us to be able to easily articulate points of difference. The easier you can articulate how you're different, the easier it is for you to win. So whether you're big or small, this is a key element of are you different, how are you different, and why does it matter? Um, if you can take those two lenses, do what you say and do something different, I think you'll find that that's a really interesting two, uh, kind of a one-two punch to create disruption. The second lens that he talked about was owning the one-on-one. -on -one. It was easily my favorite part. Uh, he got really animated, and it was intoxicating to me. And he made a statement I'll refer to many times, I'm sure, where he said, the one-on-one -on -one is the biggest missed opportunity in the history of sales leadership. And I agree. Well said, Brad Jensen. He talked about capital R versus little r, and that in the one-on-one, -on -one, what they did was they said, let's stop focusing on the forecast and start focusing on what's real in the forecast. And we're going to coach and have the one-on-one -on -one try to actively blow up deals so we can make decisions and commitments on how we're going to do things differently so we can make sure those deals don't get blown up on the customer side. And it was pretty interesting to hear that whole approach because I know it's working for them, and it's been something that's helped them have a lot of success with every person, not just with their stars. Um, you know, I really liked how we talked about that whole inspect what you expect. And there was a time that that was like the buzz kind of phrase that everybody was talking about. But I think it's kind of backfired because nobody wakes up in the morning wanting to be inspected. Nobody wants to feel like a trip down to the police station. Where were you the night of, right? Uh, people don't want to wake up and be managed. They do want to wake up and be inspired. They do want to wake up and be led. Coaching is the thing that everyone is for. Leaders want to do it. They know that they should do it. They want to be seen as a good coach. That's why they went into management. Reps want it because, I mean, there's all kinds of stuff. Studies that we've just helped participate in and, and all the, the research shows, reps want coaching. It's the one thing everyone's for. So if you can learn how to do that right, it no longer is the missed, the, the greatest missed opportunity in the history of sales leadership. And so I loved his idea of trying to actively blow up deals. So that, I thought those are the two things that really stood out to me. Thanks to Brad for coming. Uh, congrats to the team at Motivocity for doing so well. Um, 
It's a company for sure worth checking out. A couple things that really stand out. Evangelical salespeople create evangelical customers. People are the world's greatest reflectors. That's why I love leadership. That's why this is a sales leadership podcast. Be intentional about what you're reflecting because that is what your team will reflect to its marketplace. That is a rock-solid truth that I am confident in. So a couple things. Number one, prepare your reps so they can make commitments that you know your team will keep. Prepare them to be able to make commitments, to look the customer in the eye and say, we got this. Number two, don't ever chase competitors. Too many leaders and too many teams chase competitors. Chase customers, right? Chase the problems that you can solve and the results that you can achieve and and understand why people value them. And be different by solving problems differently and making commitments that you always keep. Third, use the one-on-one to inspire. No one ever wakes up wanting to be inspected. No one ever wakes up wanting to suck either. Inspiration is greater than inspection. Say it again, inspiration is greater than inspection. Are you a world-class inspector or a world-class inspirer? Bad word, but you get my point. Okay, all, coaching is the fastest way to increase revenue in the rest of 2018. It's for sure the best strategy for growth in 2019. Coaching gets you more from the resources you already have. Learn from Brad and do not squander the biggest opportunity in sales leadership history. Inspire evangelize, and get real. Your team will love you for it. Your customers will move from customers for a minute to customers for life. Listen, I hope you liked this podcast episode. I hope you've liked the rest of them. The growth is amazing. I'm grateful to you for choosing to listen to us. Those reviews matter. Please, please, please give us those reviews on the podcast sites. Uh, tell your friends about it. Share. If you got people you want to hear from, let us know. Uh, and we'll finish like we always do. Just remember, don't worry, just execute, and we got you. Happy selling. Thanks for joining us for the Sales Leadership Podcast, your weekly pipeline to the most successful thought leaders and rainmakers in sales. Make sure to check out additional episodes at salesleadershippodcast.com. The Sales Leadership Podcast is produced by Brian Jepson and is sponsored by Exploit the modern sales leadership platform for Salesforce.com users. You can visit Exvoyant at exvoyant.com.